Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Good morning, everyone. My name is Aaron Kircher. Um, Pastor Bren is not feeling well this morning, so keep him and Jen and their family in your prayers, if you would. Um, elders asked me to step in and preach briefly this morning. Um, it, it'll be less than 45 minutes, as was stated earlier. Um, as I said, my name's Aaron. I've been here at uh, Rev. We were part of the City Church merger early in 2021. Um, husband to Dana, father to Evelyn, Lucas, Robert, Zane, Aileen. Maybe you know one of them uh, more than you know me. Um, but it's my joy to, to get to be here this morning and to do this um, with you. The elders asked that I um, teach on adoption, kind of tying to the theme of the morning of the um, family dedications. So we're going to look at um, vertical adoption, the, the act of God adopting us in Scripture and have that inform how we are to do orphan and foster care in the church. I'm going to go ahead and take a moment and pray uh, to set up our time. So bow your heads with me, please. Father God, thank you for this opportunity um, to serve your people. Lord, open our hearts to hear your word. Um, Lord, guard my tongue from air as I speak in this time. I want to exalt your name. I want to show how glorious um, this grace that you have shared with us is. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, we're able to pray these things. One of the things I love about Rev and um, people are really good out here is is um, there's a lot of adopted families. We're a family that has adopted a child, and there's a lot of foster care um, that occurs in this church. In fact, Pastor John Mitchell is out this morning with a group of young uh, foster men um, uh, hunting for Christmas trees um, so that they can take them home to their families. And no doubt in that time, he'll be shepherding them, teach them how to be young men, and, um, and sharing the gospel with them. And I love being a part of a church that does that, that comes in obedience um, to James one twenty seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's what Pastor John is doing this morning, and that's what many of us do throughout the week as we have foster children or adopted children in our homes. There's another way that might even happen, though, as you're serving in child ministry here at, at Rev or, or doing youth group. Um, maybe there's children that are coming, and maybe they have two parents at home, but they've been orphaned spiritually or emotionally by those parents. And for the few brief hours that they're in your care, you're able to give them some hope and preach the gospel, and they're able to hear those things. This morning with our time, I want to feed our anticipation of hope in this season and our joy by looking at the vertical adoption that occurs between us and God. So I'm going to use the terms vertical adoption, and that's the act of God adopting his people. And I'm going to use horizontal adoption, which is the act of us going out and being obedient and loving orphans and widows as we were called to do. Um, whether we're talking about horizontal adoption or foster care, we want the reality, the vertical, to infirm the shadow, um, the horizontal. We begin with God's work of adoption breaking vertically into human 
history. Adoption moves vertically before it moves horizontally. Just like we could not love horizontally if God hadn't first loved us vertically. The horizontal love that occurs from one to another is the result of us being loved first by God. And our evidence for that is 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. So my ability to love you and love my family comes only because God has first loved me. So horizontal adoption is a sign, it's a type. There's a more real adoption than what we practice, and that's what that horizontal adoption is meant to point to, the act of God adopting us. A sign is something that points beyond itself. And horizontal orphan care, as practiced in the church, is supposed to point to and make great our God in his practice of adopting us. So adoption is part of the gospel. We talk about the good news of Jesus. What is the good news? Well, the good news is, in the beginning, God created the world, the universe, and he put man in it, and it was good. We had full communion with God. And in a very suicidal way, our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God. And with that came death into this world and separation and distance from God. But the good news is that God's not going to leave us in that condition. He didn't leave us in that condition. He sent his son to pay the penalties, to live the life we should have lived, and to die the death we deserve to die. And he absorbed and exhausted fully the wrath of God that was due to each one of us. That by grace, through faith in Jesus, we can enter in for all eternity with him as children, as his children. It doesn't just deal with our legal status. It deals with our relational status. So that's the good news. And one part, one very important part, is our being adopted by God the Father. It deals with our relationship. All right, Adoption is only mentioned four times in the New Testament and all by Paul. So what establishes the importance of adoption is not how often it's mentioned, but how it's used. Adoption ties the timeline of our story of redemption. Let me say that again. Adoption ties to the timeline of our story of redemption. The story of our redemption and our adoption begins with Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. I forgot to check. Kelsey, did we have slides? I apologize. I forgot to check in with you. Thank you. So Ephesians 1 is where we are shown that adoption, like love, moves vertically before it moves horizontally. Adoption was in the mind of God before there was even the opportunity for horizontal adoption. One pastor says that adoption is bigger than the universe because it is before the universe and because it is the purpose of the universe. That's a big statement. God's plan from the beginning was to adopt us. Adoption precedes the universe. Before the foundation of the world, he predestined us for adoption. Many people see horizontal adoption as sort of a plan B. If we can't have children of our own, biological children, we can always have the opportunity to go adopt. But that wasn't the case with God. God's first and only plan 
was to adopt a particular people for himself. And he knew who they were before he created the world. He creates this world, and it's the stage for the story of redemption to unfold. The universe was created to display his glorious grace, and one of the ways he does that is through adoption, through vertical adoption. Adoption was no divine afterthought. It is the purpose of the universe. You were adopted before the world was created. Let's listen to the passage again and see the glory of God displayed in it and obey the command in the passage to worship him for it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, not in us, not in our works, but in the work of Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he, God, chose us in him, that's Christ, before the foundation of the world, for anything was created. That we should be holy and blameless before him, because we were chosen in Christ. In love, he, God our Father, predestined us, before we could have earned it or shown that any value we had, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. It is done so God may receive glory by the lives of his children. We were adopted before Genesis 1.1 which means his love for us was established before the founding of the world. So having established that adoption is greater than the universe because it is before the universe and because it is the purpose of the universe, we go now to the next passage, which is Romans 9.4. In it, um, there's a list of about six things about what belongs to the Israelites, and the first thing on that list is adoption. Paul says they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption the Israelites' formal adoption event was at Mount Sinai about three months after their re- delivery, their salvation from Egypt. Here, he declared them a nation, and he said they were his. He redeemed them first, and then he adopted them. That's the pattern. We are redeemed, that is, we are saved by the perfect work of Christ, by our faith in that. And then by grace, we are justified through faith, and then relationally, we are brought into the family of God by adoption. Justification and adoption are both acts of God alone. Justification is the legal declaration in which God pardons a sinner and all their sins and accepts and treats the sinner as righteous in his sight. God declares a sinner righteous at the very moment the sinner puts their trust in Jesus. So what is the grounds for this legal verdict? God justifies the sinner solely on the basis of the obedience and death of his son, our representative, Jesus Christ. So Christ's perfect obedience and complete satisfaction for sin are the only grounds upon which God declares us righteous. So I was thinking about this in the Advent season and, and thinking about who Jesus was. And so remember, for most of history, we didn't have a name for Jesus. And so the Gospels begin... In Matthew, and we have a scene in Matthew 1 <clears throat> where the angel is explaining to Joseph what's going to happen. And the angel says this to Joseph, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus tells us what he came to do to save his people from their sins. The angel goes on to say, 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the name Emmanuel tells us who he is, which is God with us. The name Jesus tells us what he does, which is he saves his people from their sins. That's what we need. We need to be saved from our sins. So here's how justification and adoption work together. There's a court room that's taking place. And we're the defendants because we have a lot of sin and we've sinned against God and God is the judge. He's sitting there. We have Jesus as our attorney and we have Satan who's the prosecutor. And rightfully, he has a long list of sins we've committed against God and a lot of reasons why he should have our soul for all eternity. And he makes his case and God goes to, to slam down the gavel and Jesus said, hold on, Father, this is one of the people that before the founding of the earth, we knew their name, and we said we were going to do this, and you sent me to do this. And so I came and lived the life Aaron should have lived and died the death Aaron should have died, and I absorbed and exhausted all of the wrath that you have for him. There's no more. And God slams down the gavel and says, this man is innocent. So that deals with our legal status, and that's good news. God's not angry at us. He has no more wrath to pour out on us. But it doesn't deal with any of the relational stuff. God could get up, go back to his chambers. Jesus could shuffle some papers, put them in his briefcase, say, I'll send you my bill, and move on. That's not what happened. In adoption, God gets up. He comes to, comes to me, comes to you, and says, I want to bring you into my home. I want you to live the life that I created you to live, that I founded before the world was made. I want you to experience that. And the only way you can experience that is by coming into my house and becoming my child. That is good news, that we have not only our legal status dealt with, but our relational status with God dealt with. God, the judge, through Christ's work of saving his people from their sins, justifies us, and then he adopts us. He does all the work. He says, I want to bring you into my home. I want you to share in all the wondrous things I've created. That can only happen if you're my child. Next, we move on to our next passage, Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what is the fullness of time? This is the season where we, we think about that more often. It's a time ordained by God before the founding of creation. It's a time in which he says, I will invade history and reveal my plan to all who would hope in a savior. Jesus comes that we might receive our adoption as sons and daughters. Jesus comes to fulfill the plan from before the founding of the world. In that moment, we're freed from slaves and become sons. And we could cry out to a father who cares more deeply for us and would hear and respond better than any earthly parent can do. Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien, who I love very, very much, calls this moment, he makes up a word for it, the eucatastrophe. Um, and you in Greek meaning good. Um, so like eulogy means good word, and he creates this new word, eucatastrophe. And this is where the good breaks in and interrupts a bad thing that's occurring, right? That's what this vertical adoption event is. It's 
changing everything for us. That's why the cross and us ceasing to be slaves and becoming children of God through adoption is the ultimate catastrophe in history. God has invaded the sinful and fallen world as he has planned since before its founding, and he rescues us from a terrible situation. That is the fullness of time. And because of this, we are no longer slaves, but heirs. And finally, in the fourth passage, Paul looks to the future. And um, as part of the Advent hope and joy that we can think about this season, it's awaiting the return of our Savior. In this passage from Paul in Romans, you'll hear some of the same things that were in the Galatians passage, but it's looking ahead, it's looking forward. Romans 8, in this extended passage, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. Weeks, months worth of sermons in that passage. We'll just focus on a few things. Creation subjected to futility, groaning, awaiting its purpose to be revealed. Remember on our first point, we said that the purpose of creation was to be the stage for the display of God's glory through adoption. Romans 8 says the same thing. Creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the adopted children of God. We know the purpose of the universe. God's creation is to display God's glory through the pre-planned adoption of his children. Creation knows that too, Paul says, and it waits and then in the moment of the eucatastrophe, the Savior invades our world as a babe in a manger. And his life leads to the moment where he's on the cross, making satisfaction for our sins, absorbing and exhausting the wrath of God that was due to us. The children of God are ready to be revealed. And it's as, as, as if creation awakens in that moment. You remember at the cross, the tectonic plates move and there's a great earthquake and the earth comes alive and says now is the time that the sons of God will be revealed Jesus our big brother this passage tells us tells Mary to go to his brothers and tells them that he's going to his father and to their father and to our father this is good news in the same time this passage speaks of the consummation of all things in the end that great moment when Christ returns and writes everything when we are glorified with him Paul goes on to say, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We must think of this world this way as a slum in which we live in poverty and we're eager to be rescued 
to be brought to a home where we're going to be cared for and loved as we were created to truly be. We need to be rescued. That's the story of our adoption, brothers and sisters. And I call you brothers and sisters because we share a common father, a heavenly father who loved us and knit us together here at Rev to be an example, a particular expression of the love of God, a light to the world, celebrating together that we are no longer orphans. This Christmas season, as we eagerly anticipate and hope in the return of our Lord by remembering and celebrating his first coming, remember the babe in the manger, the son that came with singular purpose to glorify his father by accomplishing all that he planned from before the founding of the world. We, in the mercy of God, are a part of that story. What a remarkable picture and a privilege to get to participate in the story, to get to adopt and foster and care for orphans, to bring them into our home, to have the opportunity to minister to orphans, children abandoned. They need, to not, they need not lose hope because there is one who has left heaven to live the perfect life that they should have lived and die the death they deserve to die so they might be brought to God. And we need the church to tell them that. We need to tell them that. That's why we exist. We have nothing in us that moved God to adopt us, yet he has done so for the praise of his glorious grace. Love moved vertically to love us, and now we have seen by our adoption that we can move in our orphan care horizontally in a way that we could not have with God's, without God's initiating work of loving us. Having had so much done for us, and with all of that coming at the cost of God, we participate in these glorious events with only bringing our filthy rags, our sin. Shouldn't, as we understand more and more of that good news, drive us to adopt, to foster, to be a big brother or big sister, to serve children's and youth ministries in the church, or maybe even find a single mother in the church and offer to include their children in events going on in your household. Hopefully you can see now the purpose of orphan care and adoption is not merely to give orphans parents and meet their physical needs. It's the opportunity to bring those who have needs into the church, into Christian homes and Christian families where they can hear and respond to the gospel and be reconciled and adopted by God and have a far greater parent than we or anyone else in the world could ever be. And through all that, God in his glory is on display to the praise of his glorious grace. Father God, thank you for that good news that at a cost born all by you, you have made a way that we might for all eternity be brought into your home, to be loved by you, to live the life that you intended us to live, that you created us to live. Lord, as we go into the world, please help our eyes be open to where we can care for, love um, those that are orphaned spiritually, uh, physically, emotionally, Lord God. There's probably more need of that now than many other times in history. Open our eyes. We love you, and we're thankful that we're able to pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to take communion here after this song. So as you're singing, be preparing your hearts, please. Um, Communion is the family meal that we take um, every week. So if you are a member in good standing and you have treasured the things that we've talked about, um, member in good standing of another church and and treasure these things that we talked about, then please join with us. Otherwise, you're welcome to join with us in the time.
thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.